I often use the polls feature or the questions feature on my Instagram stories because I love chatting with you all there. And the number one thing I'm hearing lately is I feel like I just can't keep it all together. Welcome to the Anxious Therapist Podcast. My name is Jacqueline and I am your host. I am a licensed mental health therapist, online anxiety coach, and I have anxiety and depression. I am here to bring you raw, real, relatable content to remind you we are never alone. And today's episode is no different. We are going to break down this notion that we always have to keep our shit together. Are you ready? Let's do this. It just came up on my Facebook time hop today that on this day, two years ago, I had a panic attack at work. At that time, none of my coworkers knew that I was struggling with frequent panic attacks, let alone had witnessed me have one. At that time, I was working in intensive day treatment, which meant, you know, our kids were there with us all day long. They were in group therapy half the day, school the other half of the day, and they got individual sessions once a week plus family therapy. I mean, it was intense. And some a situation occurred at work. I witnessed one of them still to this day, one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in my life. And I had a panic attack in the parking lot outside of work. Um, during our workday, surrounded by a bunch of other staff who had also responded to the walkie call. And my supervisor at the time grabbed me by the shoulders and was like, come on, let's go inside. And I vaguely remember walking back to my desk, shutting my door. And like, probably the only time my office door was ever closed, right? I went in, shut my door, and I just sat on my desk and I had it took everything in me to just focus on my breathing right and I still remember this day like it was yesterday so it's so funny to me that I was like oh my gosh this is the question I'm getting all the time is like I feel like I have to keep it all together you know I'm going nuts because two years ago today that's who I was I I was embarrassed that these people had all just seen me have this panic attack, that I felt exposed and vulnerable now. Now they knew I struggled with this. They witnessed it. How was I supposed to not only like get my shit together to finish the day, but show my face at work the next day and the days after that? It felt like the hardest thing I was ever going to have to do. And so it feels appropriate to talk about this like full circle moment now, two years later, looking back at that, going, yes, it was horrendous. Yes, I can still feel that panic attack. I mean, my entire body seized up. It was the full on adrenaline rush, couldn't breathe, tight chest, sweating everywhere, nauseous, couldn't think straight hyperventilating, sobbing my face off, like you name it. I still remember that feeling so vividly. And yet I'm coming up on two years since I've had a panic attack. 
at the end of this year, it'll be two years. But at that time, it felt so important to be able to pull my shit together, to be able to go in my office and wipe my tears and get my breathing back under control and stop this panic attack so that I could go back to doing my job for the rest of the day and we could all move on with our lives. That's what felt most important to me in that moment. Not decompressing, not processing what I had just seen and experienced, right? None of that seemed to matter. All I cared about was saving face, essentially. We worked with really challenging clients and kept it together. That was what we were supposed to do, or so I thought. So looking at it now, I'm like, girl, why didn't you just go home? Like, get your breathing under control and be like, I'm done (laughs) for the day. I got to peace out. Bye. I can't do this today. I need to go do some self-care. No, instead, I sat at my desk, wiped my tears. My supervisor came in. I said, I'm not ready. I need time. You know, I I did do that, mostly because I didn't want her to see me crying. Um, She said, okay, I'm here for you. You know, whatever. There was no debriefing. There was no processing it. Because I said, I need to just wipe my face and get on with the day. Now, that's a really extreme example. But this is what is happening to a lot of you day in and day out. You feel rage and you want to punch something, but... You don't even clench your fists. You just hold that tension all in your shoulders and back. You feel like you want to cry. You have that lump in your throat, but you swallow it back and you wipe your eye as if it were itchy so you can get those tears to go away. It's this constant need to, quote unquote, have it all together. When we even think about that expression, what the fuck does that mean? Tell me one person who genuinely, sincerely has it all together. Like, where did we get this idea? What are we even comparing to? Because when it comes down to it, and when you tap in to the logical, rational side of your brain, you would be able to recognize there's no one who has it all together. It's not real. It's a perception. And so this is where it gets tricky Because you're striving for something that doesn't exist. So you've made up this false description of what it is. So you you say, well, it means not showing anyone that I'm anxious. It means never crying in front of other people. It means never getting upset and yelling. That's what it means to have it all together. You've just made up this fictitious definition for this expression And it's killing you. Recently, one of my coaching clients said, I have numbed myself for so long, I feel like I don't know how to express my emotions. How do I, how do I show things now? Everyone has gotten used to me being this person, numbed out autopilot version of myself who they call the, the strong one. But I don't even know how to express myself. We were talking about it and she's asking me, how how do I do it? I said, you have to practice. You have to reteach yourself 
how to show your emotions. Because you weren't born neglecting your emotions. You used your emotions to get your needs met when you were an infant and a toddler and a young child. It wasn't until a little bit later on in life that you started to numb out those emotions, right? As a baby, you had to cry and get sad and upset and angry to tell the people caring for you that they needed to feed you or change your diaper, right? Or comfort you. Somewhere along the way, you just stopped doing those things. Because once we got old enough, people start, started saying things like, use your words, use your words, no temper tantrums. And then our behaviors and our emotions started to get consequenced. Because if we couldn't use our words, if I couldn't articulate to you how I was feeling because I'm seven and I don't know how to describe what's going on in my body, I was consequenced. I was consequenced for just crying and yelling and being, you know, overly emotional because I wasn't able to use my words. I didn't know how I was feeling and no one helped me explore those feelings, right? It happened slowly over time. Your need to have it all together is what I'm trying to say. So you need to have grace as you learn how to express yourself again, as you learn how to break down these walls and redefine what having it all together means. To me, having it all together is nothing more than realness. To have it all together means sharing what goes on behind the scenes, behind closed doors, so that we can redefine The fact that I got up out of bed today means I have it all together. But if tomorrow I can't get out of bed, then I still have it all together. Because I'm breathing. I'm trying. I'm fighting. Crying isn't a sign of weakness. Getting angry isn't a sign of weakness. We've just labeled these emotions as bad. Because they make us and other people uncomfortable. So we strive for something that is impossible for us to achieve. We say things like, I'm a hot mess. I'm riding the struggle bus. I'm driving the struggle bus. And I don't use that phrase for other reasons. And I hope you will challenge it for whatever reason makes sense to you. But in this situation, stop saying those things. Stop calling yourself a disaster. You're manifesting this idea that the way you are isn't good enough, that you need to change. Inherently, some piece of you is not acceptable or inappropriate because you cry or some days you can't get out of bed or sometimes you punch holes in walls or sometimes you pay your bills late because you have depression and you forget these things. I want you to start challenging the phrases that perpetuate where you're at right now, that keep you stuck believing that you're a hot mess. If you continue to call yourself a hot mess, you're engaging in what is called a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will continue to do behaviors, essentially self-sabotage, to continue to be a hot mess because that in your mind is what you are. 
That's why I don't say I, 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 I'm not, I, I'm not my anxiety or my depression. I have those things. Okay. They don't define me. And I do have it all together, but not in the way that you're used to hearing. I hope this episode resonates with you. I hope a light bulb just went off and you will catch yourself hearing those words come out of your mouth. I need to get my shit together. Oh, look at them. They have it all together. Oh, I'm just a hot mess. I'm riding the struggle bus today. When you say those things, you're perpetuating that cycle. So just start to take notice when you hear those words come out of your mouth. And then say, what do I really mean? I'm having a high anxiety day. Today's not my favorite day. I need some self-care. Right? How can you reframe those messages? I hope you loved this episode. This is something I love chatting about. So if you enjoyed it, please help me spread the word by taking a moment or two out of your day to share this episode with someone who you know is going to love it too. And I can't wait to see you in the next episode.